I think it comes down to helping people really understand how to like what emotional intelligence is and a practical way to implement it. everybody. This is the Venus and Mars podcast, and I'm your host, Anya Shack. I'm a culture and trend strategist, researcher of all things hunter-gatherer, and I'm devoted to healing the divide between men and women. So if you like what you hear and you're on Team Unite Venus and Mars, then join me in growing the movement by hitting subscribe. Now let's get straight into the episode. Today, we are talking about partnership and relationship building, but through the corporate lens. Sounds interesting, huh? So I'm talking to Alex Resnick. He is a CEO and founder of his company, Evolve Leadership. It's a training and consulting company where he teaches people that self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and communication skills are actually what get businesses their greatest ROI. He spent the last 15 years in sales, consulting, and training across startup and corporate worlds. He's got a wealth of knowledge. One of my favorite teachings that I heard from him that got me excited to talk to him was that he talks about how you and your employee are always in something together. You're always facing something, a problem, an assignment together. You're never against each other. It's one team facing an issue. And that creates such a beautiful culture at work. And it reminded me that that's kind of the greatest advice that all married couples give, right? I've heard it time and time again from couples about how to maintain a long-term partnership. It's to treat each other like you're on one team facing issues together, no matter what they are, right? So it's a great conversation. We talked about male and female communication styles at work. We actually talked about how to reach more masculine men that might seem less in touch with their emotions at work. We talked about why people get defensive. And really just, we covered some great, great simple actions for how to get more out of your work life and then how that directly translates to your home life. So I really wanted to talk about relationships and home life in this episode, but we just, we didn't have enough time for it. We really focused on the corporate space and it was such a fascinating conversation. So I'm really excited to have Alex back for part two, where we cover uh, romantic relationships and uh, his POV from that space. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this part one around the corporate world. Alex, hi. Yeah. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Of course. So tell me a little bit about uh, just what your vibe is, Evolve. Tell me like what you're up to these days. Yeah. Um, so I uh, co-founded Evolve Leadership um, during the pandemic. Great timing. Um, <laughs> and I currently run it with uh, one of my best friends and my business partner, uh, Scott Goria. We've been friends since we were like 11, you know, talking about starting a business together one day. Um, <laughs> I had gotten involved running for maybe a little, just about a year. And then he came on board. And basically what our mission is, what we're all about is if we think about like a, a culmination of my whole career, just like the challenges that I had to overcome, the things that I had to figure out, the things that I was always the most passionate about starting in college when I learned uh, or um, studied the emotional intelligence space, a light bulb went off for me where I was like, oh, this is really like practical personal development. And so through I use this the skills and the tools that I learned in that in that world to be successful in a sales career in the corporate world. But then I always kind of felt like something was missing. And I had to go, you know, I tried entrepreneurship, and I tried and worked for startups. And the thing that I was always the most fascinated with was really the intersection of people and business or people in a career, it wasn't really so much software, or operations or finance, it was really the people side of business. Mm -hmm. And so, um. And so that's basically what Evolve is, is that we help, uh, we usually work with companies, we also work with individuals, and we do emotional intelligence-based leadership and communication skills training. So we work a lot with managers, we work with a lot of employee teams, sales teams, anybody who needs to raise their emotional intelligence, deepen their self-awareness, become more effective communicators, and then that's pointed to their respective either job or career path, right? And so how does that show up for leadership, right? For managers being more influential leaders. How does that show up for employees who need to collaborate better in teams and get along better? How does that show up for sales professionals who need to be more effective with their clients? Things like that. And so that's what Evolve Leadership is. We provide training and coaching and consulting, um, but it really is like a reflection of like me and my career and my passion. It's like an intersection of all of it kind of mixed together. Um, and I'm glad uh, you brought up, uh, you know, kind of that notion that it's, 
we really are a partnership when we think about the relationships in our lives. And it doesn't have to be different just because we're in the workplace. And I know we're going to get more to the relationship, uh, you know, maybe personal side of the equation soon. But what you were saying earlier, I, I share this with managers a lot and leaders at, at companies, it's not you versus your employee. And you're trying to strong arm them into something. Mm -hmm. It's it's you and your employer on the same team. Mm. And your your verses or your chat, you're working on the problem at hand, the challenge at hand, the op obstacle that was in the way for something getting done. It's the same thing with a spouse or your partner. It, like you said, it is you and your spouse and your partner on the same team, not combating, not competing <laughs> with each other, which we all can default to that. And I can yeah. too. So it's like, I'm not, you know, pointing any figures. Yeah. But when you, when you have that mindset that we're on the same team is much more collaborative, the people don't get as defensive, they don't feel as attacked. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very self-aware approach to relationships, communication, but also actually solving problems, mm -hmm. right? I'm not here showing up trying to tell you why I'm right and you're wrong. That's not going to get us anywhere ever, totally. right? Um, and so anyway, I'll, I'll just kind of pause there, but I'm glad that you brought that up in the beginning because that's something that like, it seems obvious, but it's rarely, I, I don't see it kind of executed that often in my line of work. So it's something that comes up a lot. Yes. I'm so passionate about it. So first off, I love the name Evolve. I think it's awesome. I think there's so many layers to it. I'm sure you have all the layers yeah. clear in your mind, but even for me, someone that's just learning about it, it's like the evolution <laughs> of where we are now, like the paradigm shift of what's needed in business versus what used to be needed 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, the way that relationship uh, just takes everything to a whole other level. And um, what do you think is, has been just like the biggest um, shift for some of the companies you've worked with uh, after using your services? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think, I think it comes down to helping people really understand how to like what emotional intelligence is and a practical way to implement it. And even and, and kind of zooming in even more, I focus specifically, I shouldn't say specifically, but we put a lot of attention around empathy and what I like to call empathetic listening. And I call it that instead of active listening for a number of reasons. And we can, we can get to that. Yeah. And then also an emotional management and kind of, kind of helping people be aware that countless times a day, we are actually at a fork in the road with our conversations, with our relationships, with our choices. And we don't really realize it because we're running on autopilot. You know, we kind of think and feel and say and do the things that we've kind of always done on a pretty regular basis. And so to answer your question, where I think a lot of the, the big shifts come from helping people recognize that it's not actually this massive change that has to occur. It's not just like one day there's like this massive difference and all of a sudden you're a wildly different person. It's incremental change that happens over time. And a lot of that has to do with the self-awareness to recognize when you're in the middle of a conversation, especially challenging one, that you can actually pay attention to your emotions. And then you could recognize that you're at that fork in the road. And instead of doing the thing that you've always done, which is maybe getting frustrated, irritated, defensive, what angry, whatever it might be, you can recognize that you're there. And you can say, okay, I'm actually feeling this emotion. I can label it. I don't have to identify with it. I can label it mm. and recognize it, not ignore it, but recognize that it's there. Mm. And then the big shift comes in. Can I choose a new course of action right now that I'm at this fork in the road that's led by empathy, compassion, curiosity, seeking to understand can I recognize that I'm here and maybe I'm being a little bit judgmental? Can I calm that down a little bit? Can I calm that ego down a little bit and be more open-minded of this person uh, with this person? And so that moment right there, the major distinction is separating yourself and recognizing that you can lead in a more compassionate or empathetic way. And it doesn't have to be, it's not like, you know, a lot of the, the men that I work with, like they're afraid that that's going to make them soft or something. And it's like, <laughs> No way. Like being understanding is not weakness. It's, if anything, it's strength. And so when people have that, just when people have that kind of aha moment, 
then there's a massive transformation that happens after that because they realize that it's actually just a little adjustment to the conversation or the situations they're already having to have a more effective conversation, to connect with someone more deeply or show up opinionated and judgmental and you lose them. It's just in those little moments that you can catch your emotion and then proceed mm. in a more effective way. Does that make sense? It's like that. Yeah. It's, little motion and then a totally two wildly different courses of action take place after that it could be a blow-up argument or completely influencing a team and having them love you even more like it's uh, you know, yeah so that, those yeah. moments right there are what i really like have people focus on and coach on and let me tailor behavior and conversations uh from there i love it that's awesome and you know i want to go like even a little deeper into that Sure. For me, that entire like explanation of empathetic listening and what that means for others also has me reflect on how you aren't, you can't be empathetic towards others if you're not empathetic towards yourself. So this yeah, like idea that. of like, you know, the sign of maturity is to be able to hold two things true at once. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm a good person and I'm feeling frustrated and I can just step back mm -hmm. and I can be neutral about it and be empathetic towards myself that I'm this like multidimensional, multifaceted human. And so if I can do that for myself, then I can do that for others because I can see right. them that way. And then I can start to see people as like the whole people that they are versus, oh, this coworker who like messed up a project. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and then, and, and then what, what do we do? We put them in a box and this yeah. person's always this way. And then you're going to show up in a conversation with your already made up mind of how this person is for you. And then you're going to get more of that versus to your point, like this is this whole dynamic multidimensional being who I just experienced a version of because of a thing that may have happened or an obstacle that was in their way. Or maybe they had they just got off the phone and they just got really bad news an hour ago and now they're a little rattled. Right. And so that's where leading with a little bit of compassion and and patience and and understanding comes in. And then what a lot of people do from here is is like they want to jump to the other extreme where it's like mm -hmm. it, it doesn't mean like yes yeah, sometimes the person may have actually done something that kind of like screwed you over. Yeah. And other times you find out that they just got the worst news of their life and then all of a sudden it's not about you anymore and you're like well oh my god you know don't worry about the project assignment is everything okay right things shift <laughs> yeah it's extremely helpful and it, and the uh, one of the big byproducts of this too and it's another big distinction to answer your previous question is it helps people become more calm versions of themselves mm -hmm. and calm doesn't mean you're like oh he's just like this like floating on a cloud it's just less bothered yeah. less agitated yes more empathetic with yourself, as you said, yeah. and with others. And you don't have to get so triggered and have a, an immediate reaction right after it. Mm. And it's like, yeah, like we don't, we don't really know all the facts. I don't need to jump to an opinion yet. Like, let's talk about it. I love you know, it. Like, just, we could just calm down a little bit. Maybe you really did screw up. Okay. We, we, we can, we can talk about it. We could still talk about it in a, what I would like to say an emotionally intelligent way, which totally. means I don't have to get all pissed off at you. We can even we can recognize that our emotions just popped up and we can take a look at them. And it's almost like this. It's it's weird. I almost visualize like it's like both parties like like rise up above themselves. <laughs> like they're almost like they're observers of themselves, yes. like your little like puppet master back there. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I and love you're, it. You're like higher self is looking down at you at your. Yeah, I love. That. Yeah. And That's you're awesome. like talking about it almost as if you're observing. You're you're talking about it from a lens of observation. Mm. And not a lens of being it, it being wrapped up in like your identity and like totally. and and who you are. So it's like, oh, I'm like I'm super impatient. Well, no, when these events happen, they trigger an emotion that makes you feel impatient. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. are not impatient. What, show me you are impatient. If I cut you open, there's no thing in there that says I am also impatient. Yes. Right. Oh. And so. The separation of that is so, so powerful. That's like 80% of it. it like That's the best. And like also my favorite thing to do whenever <clears throat> I'm having like a triggered moment is uh, ask myself, is what I'm believing right now true? Is it like a fact or is yeah, it a conclusion I've come to? Right. Like which right. one is it? And I swear to you, 96.8% of the time right. it's a conclusion. Yeah. And I then ask myself like, 
could I be wrong about this? <laughs> that's very, that's like really impressive that you could go there next. That's really hard for people to do, but that's a great, that's a great next step to go. Cause you're, and by the way, regardless of what the answers are, that moment that you're giving yourself the mm -hmm. three, five, 10 seconds mm -hmm. also starts to calm the emotions back down. Totally. And gives you a chance to think more clearly. Cause another really important thing, like, you know, especially in like the corporate version of this is like the decision-making that then yes. comes from it. And how does that going to, you know, you're, we're playing chess, right? So mm -hmm. if I make a decision and I do this thing, there are multiple moves or outcomes that could possibly come from that. Just asking yourself those two questions, right? Is this really true? And what could I, what was the other one? What could I be wrong about? Could I be wrong about this conclusion? Yeah. Could I be wrong about it? You just buy yourself like 10 seconds to calm down and think more clearly. Yeah. yeah. Like, hmm, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, you got a good handle on this too. I can tell. I love it. No, I'm super stoked about this conversation too. Mm -hmm. And I want to also caveat to everybody listening. Like we're talking about work right now, but this just as easily translates mm -hmm. to personal life. And also let's just be real here. Most of the time we spend in our lives is with people at work or with yeah. people that are at home. So like, we're literally talking about like every moment of your life um, and how to understand them better. And also like mm -hmm. what I love about this conversation is that it's really simple, but not easy. Yeah. It's also well said. Yeah. And it takes practice. And like, so something you touched on is like, yes, it may be, we're talking about it in the context of work. And by the way, happy to switch over to like, yes, you know, relationships more, more fun we, and interesting anyway. We right? will, but like, Alex, we will, don't you worry. <laughs> but like the work thing, if you think about it, like it shouldn't actually be separate because every the common denominator to everything, whether it's at work, your personal life, your whole mm -hmm. experience of life is humans, is your human yes. connection, starting mm -hmm. with the connection you have with yourself and the conversations you're having with yourself. And then the next most immediate thing is how you're connecting, relating to and um, yeah, and relating to the world around you and the people around you. So the work, I think the work context or the work environment is a good, it's like a good arena to practice these things mm -hmm. because you like kind of have to act fairly professional. You like kind of have to try yes. versus if you come home, you could maybe like, you could probably get away with like not trying at all around your yes. family members. Yes. It's like, right. So you get like, but you know, you go into the library, you're going to whisper. <laughs> right you're, you're like you're just you're, you're gonna do that you're gonna kind of follow that rule yeah you're not gonna be like no I talk loud it's inauthentic for me to whisper it's like just whisper you're in a damn library yeah. right so work is kind of similar where it's like you kind of have to have a level of professionalism and respect yeah. even if it feels hard so mm -hmm. it like it's like a tr it's like practice it's like mm. a, it's just a great place to practice and then it could show up in in like the real game, if you will. And I don't really like love sports analogies. I'm not even like a huge sports guy, but this is like a good one where it's like, like practicing being a good community, an effective communicator in sales. I had to do that. Otherwise I'm not going to close deals and mm. make a living. Right. Mm -hmm. But it also translated to me showing up in a much more effective way and probably more attentive and loving way and with my relationships and my mm -hmm. friends and my family, mm -hmm. because I was used to having to be like, articulate and well-spoken. It wasn't like I just dropped all of that when I got home or was, you know, interacting with people in my personal life. Right. So work is kind of this good environment where it almost forces you to practice developing these skills because all of these things are skills. They all get strengthened like a muscle and they require intention. I still can get, I can still get frustrated and pissed off and irritated. Part of the reason why I have to do this work is because that is my nature. I am like, I feel things very deeply. Yeah, um, I am a little bit intense. I'm the first person yeah. who needs everything. Everything I preach is because I need it too. And I have to live totally. in it. I'm totally. not like, like kumbaya all the time. So, but practicing it and strengthening these muscles over time, these, you know, EQ, communication, emotional management mus muscles is the difference between maybe 10 years ago, someone cuts me off in traffic and I'm pissed for an hour and yeah. then something else happens and something else happens. And then the whole demeanor of my day was like kind of negative and a little bit yeah. chippy. And I, yeah. I can be a little bit of like a sarcastic asshole. And so that side, you know, I grew up in yeah. Northern New Jersey, that side of me can show up easily. And now someone cuts me off. And I'm like, oh, like emotion spiked. And then I'm back, you know, zero to a hundred. And then I'm back to like 20 in like two seconds. And then, you know, five totally. or 10 seconds later, I'm just like, yeah, I'm calm again. 
I know it's it. like, it's I don't so, stay there all day. It's so good. No, I just like a fun example. Actually, this happened to me recently um, at the job that I'm working at right now. Um, one of the account managers like assigned hours. We do a lot of like hour allocations and he assigned like, I don't know, like 14 hours on this project that literally within all of the templates for all of our projects and like knowing what this takes, it says 56 hours is how long it takes to do this assignment. And he assigned 14 hours. So like in that moment, I was just like, idiot. (laughs) (laughs) What a jerk. He doesn't care about me. Like he hasn't. And then I was just like, oh, could I be wrong? Like, could I be wrong about him not caring about me? Like, of course I'm wrong about that. He ha- literally has no idea how long this project takes because he's not, right. he doesn't do it. He doesn't, he doesn't right. work on that stuff. So literally all it was, was a, Hey, did you know how long this takes? Well, let me tell you like all that's involved in this and why it takes so long. Oh. And then he was like, Whoa, I had literally no idea what this was. And it was just yeah. such a easy, beautiful conversation of coming together um, as opposed to like, what an asshole. <laughs> exactly. That's, ex- that's exactly it right there. Like instead of judging and putting him in that box, we were talking about a few minutes ago. Yeah. Just sort of like, all right, well, let me just have a look. Let me just take a look at this. And maybe I do come full circle and find out that he made a decision that was very much in poor taste. Totally. And even that still could have just been a version of him. Right. Versus totally. like pegging his whole identity. Yeah. So, yeah. Props to you for doing that. It, it is hard, but you know, what's interesting is like, it's hard at first. And then it also, it almost becomes like easier because you just rather not get bothered by bullshit. Yeah. And so you're like, so like even now, like news and stuff you see on social media that could be like triggering for everybody. Yeah. I see stuff now and my default one, I guess one of the things I'm like, I guess kind of proud about is my default in a lot of categories now is truly like, no, well, I don't, I don't have an opinion yet because I don't know all the facts. Totally. Versus like, I see the headline and I would love you know, it three to five years ago, get all emotionally charged that I love it. You know, this side or that side, all the BS that everybody's all wrapped up in. And right it's in like, the middle. Oh, well, I don't really know all the, the facts about this bill. Like I would have to read more about it. I don't need to like go judge this whole person of being like good or bad. <sighs> you know, it's like, just yeah, take a look at it. Speaking my language, Alex, I'm yeah. so sick of the, 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 the opposing poles of the world right now. So yeah, I think um, if, if anything, you need to get your podcast out to millions of people, especially if the topics are going to be around helping people understand one another better. Yes, we are so wrapped up in uh, our polarizing opinions. Yeah, that it's a real shame because uh, in a lot of ways, we're missing out on a richer, more fuller life experience where you can yes. have some patience and and compassion and empathy for people like someone that you might have totally judged and had a whole hardened opinion on is someone who if you took a second to listen to you might actually find out you have a ton in common and and you find out that you actually can have this like you could be friends or you could get along or you could have a relationship or you did have one and then stupid polarizing things got in the way and now the relationships deteriorated and all the love is lost it's like what a shame you know It's such a shame. And I will tell you right now, if you go back to almost every single like well-known author, uh, poet, um, athlete, any any person that is well-known that has done anything slightly remarkable, you will find a facet of the personality that you might not like, or you will find that they did something that you might not like, like 20 years before they wrote their book that like was a bestseller. Does right. that mean that their book is null and void and all of the wisdom they have in it is null and void? Absolutely not. It's right. all valid. And I'm just right. like, so woo, I'm so over that. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. Well, good um, for you for having that mindset. It is sadly rare these days. You too. Yay. Kindred spirits. But um, yeah. I love it. So let's jump into this. I do want to move into the uh, more personal side of things. But first, sure. I want to ask like a general question based on everything we've talked about up until this point. Like, why do people get defensive? Oh, it's a great question. There's a lot there. Yeah. Um. So I feel like at some level, some personal area whether it's a wound that's not healed or something that challenges your values something that challenges something that you hold important to you Mm. is challenged in some way Mm. um like i know that for me 
one of them, and I don't know if they all come from, you know, past trauma and just yeah. experiences of your past or not. I'm so not a therapist. I'm not like yeah. totally the one to, you know, qualified for this answer, but the way it occurs for me, the way I kind of understand it when I, cause I've done a lot of self discovery and exploration yeah. and I find that the, the, the areas where I get emotionally charged and defensive are around certain topics that I have, I have, I had limiting, very limiting beliefs around mm -hmm. from my childhood. Mm -hmm. So one of them, for example, um, actually, it's funny, because there's two. And one is a story that I don't know if I shared with you when we first spoke, but it's a it's a relationship related story with my, uh, my ex girlfriend, but which, which we can come back to. But for example, if somebody has feedback for me that that seems to me like they're challenging my intellect ah. or I made a stupid decision ah. or something that may I made the meaning they think I'm dumb. So that's what I made it mean in my head. Right. That stems back. There's a lot here, but the short story is that stems back that growing up, I had created ideas that I was stupid. Yes. And then I started to live into them even more. So I started to like not do my homework because what's the point? I'm an idiot. I'm never going to amount to anything. Mm -hmm. And so then I started to become kind of like a worse student, even though it never really had to be that way. And then the next thing you know, I got pushed down in a, in a couple of classes. Mm -hmm. All my friends are in honors and A classes. And I'm in like, I'm in like the B class that like was kind of like the C class, but you know, it's still, yeah. you know what I mean? I was, yeah. And I'm like, oh shit. So I had all these ideas going, you know, by the time I was in high school that I was really dumb. Yeah. And then I had a lot of very smart people who just happened to be very close to me, friends and family who were like Ivy League intellect. So yeah. I would feel even more insecure around them. Yeah. So then fast forward, well, at any given time in my life, but especially when I started to have like a professional career, if I got feedback or if something happened that I felt like that person thinks I'm dumb, even if it's not true, that's what I made it mean, mm -hmm. I would get really defensive. Mm -hmm. But that was a wound that is not healed. Yeah. And yeah. there's, there's a gentleman who's got a really good quote about this. It's funny. He's somebody who in a lot of ways has fantastic content. And then in other ways, he's not totally for me. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah. And one of his quotes is life will present you people and circumstances to re reveal to you where you are not free. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I heard that. And I'm like, holy crap, there's really something there. And yeah. so kind of, to, you know, wrap up on your question is like, I think the defensiveness comes from areas where we still have a wound. Yeah, that we, didn't, that we either are unaware of. And it's deep in our subconscious because, you know, it's deep in that story. That's always, yes. you know, autopilot. Or it is something we're aware of, and we're working on it. But there's something there that came maybe from our childhood or past somewhere. And that mm -hmm. wound is not healed. Yes, I and I it's totally like, feel that. I, I almost picture like somebody's like, you know, they've got like some wound and like there's a bandage under it. And if you were to like push on it, I would like, you know, it'd like, ah, like it's like the emotional version of that almost is kind of mm. how I like visualize it. Uh, what about you? I, what, where do you think? I that love it. I, you know, as you were speaking, I was thinking about um, for me, like I would be triggered by um, people that would like speak out of turn or like speak out of place or like do things that were kind of like jarring. It was just mm -hmm. like, whoa, like you just stood up in front of it. Like you said something like unrelated, like how, how dare you? And I, I was just like always blown away by those people and triggered. And I realized my God, in my childhood, I was so like, I was so uh, like, down like pushed down or like I, there was so much of an overbearingness that had me be mute or silent mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you will not speak out of turn you will be silent like you like I just like over indexed on politeness and um thinking before I speak mm -hmm. and so I was like realizing that trigger was because I was just dying to make a mistake. Actually, I was just dying wow. for the opportunity to like speak up in front of everyone and say something unrelated and it'd be okay. Right. right. And I was so jealous of this other person that was doing just that. Right. That's amazing. Good observation on your part. And it's funny because I have a similar one too, where I 
had this story that I kind of had to like fall in line in a little bit. And a lot of it was my own interpretation of things that were going around. I guess maybe all of it is your own interpretation of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting. So even right there and kind of connecting back to what we were talking about earlier, that person who interrupted or spoke out of turn or said something like that, that person would irritate me too, probably. Mm. But I would just, I would try to catch it and try to stay patient. <laughs> yes. Depending on the day, I might be like, fuck that guy. You know, like who knows? <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is your exact same experience, you could have had a different meaning because it's it's not so much literally what happened. It's the meaning, right? Yeah. That we assign to it. And the meaning for you could have been that you look up to those people because you could have never, because you weren't able to do that. And so right. when people do that, you're actually like, oh, that's my like, person. I'm inspired bravo. by them instead of being like, shut up. And it's so great. <laughs> and then that person who speaks up, that's probably some response that they learned. I have a friend who's like this and she's like, I grew up in with a lot of brothers and sisters in a loud Italian family. If you didn't scream, no one would hear you ever. Oh, and like, I, so everyone was like arguing over the dinner at the dinner table. And so there, that person who interrupts or, or you know, does the, you know, the speaks out of turn or whatever, that yeah. could be their trauma response to a thing. Yes. To the way that they were, you know? So it's like, oh it's all God. like the layers. It's like crazy. That freaking fascinates me. I cannot imagine what that was like. I'm literally from the opposite household, only child, silent as a oh. museum, just like, wow. and it's so fun to have these conversations because you just realize how different people are. And it's, um, right. It's so beautiful. I, it makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's also, and and then back to, it is a more freeing way to live. It doesn't mean you bat a thousand. It doesn't mean that people never like hurt you. Like, yeah. you know, like it's just, yeah. you just realize how many things you don't actually have to take on or get offended by or get pissed yeah. off or whatever. And then, and then if you do, you don't have to hold on to it all day. Yeah. You could be, you could be, calmed back down in a minute, maybe 10, maybe an hour, but like, you don't need, you could, you, like you said earlier, you can take a look at it and just assess yeah. it and tone it back down. One of the, one of the really big things here while we're kind of on this topic is like, one of the concepts that I train on is um, like this idea of like the invisible barriers to communication that exist. And I think they come from a lot of different places. And I think a big one is, you know, um, your childhood trauma. And I know that even sometimes that word trauma is triggering for people who are like, oh, shut up with the word trauma already. But wounding, like, whatever. Wounded, yeah. Or just the stories, you know, the things yeah. that happened to you in your past and what, and kind of what you made them mean. And like, yeah. And so like, if you think about it, like I, I'll use this example where it's like, there could be, you know, Jenny and Johnny, they're both 10 years old. Johnny raises his hand in class. He's got the wrong answer. Everybody laughs at him. And in that moment, he decides I am never going to be embarrassed like this again i'm not speaking up anymore and fast forward johnny's 40 years old and in the corporate world and he's still not speaking up in meetings even when he has the answer 10 minutes before everybody else right yeah jenny's sitting next to johnny she's 10 years old she raises her hand she is the wrong answer everyone laughs at her she says i never want to be embarrassed like that ever again the exact same thing as johnny and she decides i'm going to become even more studious yeah because i am going to raise my hand next time and i'm going to show all all these people that I do have the right answer. And then totally. she goes on to be called to be what we you know would call a know-it-all. And she's an overachiever. And now she gets her validation from, from being a performer and being a straight A yes. student. And she goes on to be a public speaker and a CEO of a company or whatever. Right. Yeah. Someone's picked last at recess. They never play the sport again. Yeah. Someone else is picked last at recess and they become so competitive they go on to be, you know, mm. a professional athlete. So it's not so much what happened, it's what we made it mean. Totally. So then you fast forward then. The meaning, it always, same guy that Peter Crone, it comes back to like, it always kind of boils down to somewhere where you just feel like you're a piece of shit. <laughs> like, the way, like somewhere in your yeah. life, you feel inadequate. Yeah. Like that's it. That's and it. So, and in some areas you do not feel inadequate. You feel very competent for whatever reason. Maybe you've done a lot of work there. Maybe it's delusion, whatever. Yeah. But it, it always comes back to that somewhere. And then yeah. you bring that, Joe Dispenza articulates this beautifully, and I, I'm going to botch it, but you basically bring that wounded past into your present to create a predictable future. So um, if you know that the, there's a better way to say that, that Joe Dispenza talks about, but it's really interesting because totally. then you're bringing this, all this stuff from your past 
you bring it into your present moment. And it's one of the things that creates this invisible barrier to communication because we're showing up in our conversations and our relationships with our already made up mind of how mm -hmm. we think the world really is when really it's just our perception, mm -hmm. the lenses that we look through, mm -hmm. the filters that we hear through. Mm -hmm. And rarely are we ever really present with the other person mm -hmm. because we already kind of even have a million ideas or opinions of what we think this other person's going to be like. We might not, you know, they would not even give them a chance to really show up as they really are. And mm -hmm. so it's one of the invisible barriers to communication that I talk about. And one of the fastest ways to bring it down is one, recognizing that that's where we all come from. And then two, leveraging empathy and empathetic listening to say, I don't need to know or to understand that I don't need to know everything that happened in this person's past, but I can, but I can get that they've probably been through some shit because mm -hmm. they're a human and they're alive today. We've all been through some shit. Mm -hmm. So can't I just lead with a little bit of empathy to just try mm -hmm. to get where they're coming from and what mm -hmm. life is like for them? Mm -hmm. I don't have to agree necessarily, but yeah. I can take a look at it and try to understand it. And that helps bring someone else's barrier down. Because if you're showing up with a non-judgmental present listening and present energy, then the other person feels safe or secure to then open up to you. So you can kind of lead with like, I'm going to bring my invisible barrier down. I am inviting you to bring yours down as well, whenever you'd like, no problem. I'm not here to judge you. I am totally listening. And then if it's like in the work world, it's how can I help? You know, if it's in a relationship it's let's talk about what happened earlier you know what was it about x that made you so frustrated with me and, and then we turned into an argument how do we you know let's talk about versus <laughs> you're an asshole right like i love it i love it i love everything you just shared i love this idea of invisible barriers um i think the invisible barriers also you know block us from things that we might want oh um, yeah big time that's a great is, call yeah, which is really interesting. It's like we're looking at the world through this lens, through this barrier, of course, but we're also just like the things we really desire are without are like out of reach because we are stuck replaying the same story from our past. And so it's like here now and everything that we see, like all the matter around us, we've created based on that story. So you've got to like go back and change the story to change what you're actually able to grasp in real life around you. Um, right. And I feel like that, gosh, that leads us directly into the relationships segment of the, of this, uh, of the show. But um, Excellent. I think it's great. I think right away, it makes me think about um, just full circle back to you're right. Like I'm right. You're wrong. This idea that like the other person, the other person in front of you, because they can't see the world the way that you're seeing the world, they're missing something. And right. it's like, I feel like that's a, a major <laughs> issue between men and women, generally. Yeah. This idea that, like, forget the barriers, forget all the stories of the trauma, but just like the straight up idea that this person that's of the opposite sex might actually see the world differently. And what is it like to see the world from his perspective with his hormones, with his, you know, way of thinking about um, different things. And so I feel like first question is what in your experience have been some of the things that have shown up like with your clients or with different in different situations in, in your life around men and women and how they communicate with each other? So what has been my experience and like the difference of the, their communication? Yeah. Yeah. I think like some of the ones that come to mind are kind of maybe some of the obvious ones. And yes. so, I, but I would like to peel back the layers a little bit more. So it's not just Let's a cliche it. answer. <laughs> um, but I feel like I have noticed a, um, a little bit more, probably a lot more emotional intelligence and self-awareness in some categories with women it seems mm -hmm. to be like an innate thing that they just kind of get mm -hmm. them seem to be more in touch with their emotions mm -hmm. um i still see a i don't know if it's a surprising amount but i still interact with a lot of men who do a lot of like the old school macho sort yeah. of closed-minded 
listening and combative communication, if you will. Yeah. Yep. Totally. And, I, and I, I guess like, I don't know. I'm, I, I feel like there's enough content and awareness around this now that like, I thought it would be like, you know, softened up a little bit, you know, but maybe we, mm-hmm. we got to keep being on our mission that we're on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. Cause I, I think that it's, there's definitely that difference where it seems that the, a lot of the conversations with women might be a little bit more emotionally driven. Yes. And a lot of the ones with men are a little bit more logic driven. Yeah. And I hear a lot of, for like, you know, men, uh, well, I just, I don't understand why that person just won't do this or she just won't right. do that. Right. I don't understand Right. I'll never understand why people do such and such. Really? You'll never understand that? I love this, Alex. Isn't that like just the fact that we're different people? Like the fact that people have been through their own past experiences, the fact like people were raised differently. They come from different cultures. They like, I I even just saw a post the other day on LinkedIn. Um, I'll never understand people who have negative comments and or who, who leave negative comments. Like, Really? really? Like, you can't understand? Right? You can't understand? Like, they're <laughs> wounded somewhere. They yeah. might be frustrated that they're not out there creating and you're an yeah. entrepreneur posting every day. Yeah. Like, a, a lot of times, like, I know that when in the, years ago, I would be chippy. I was a little more chippy and a little more judgmental of people who were really just pursuing their passion when I was a too, when I was too afraid to. Yeah. And that's really where my negativity came from. And then as soon yeah. as I got into creator mode and I started putting my head down and really working on the things that lit me up, mm. I I wasn't, it wasn't even on my radar what other people were doing. Mm. Like someone did like something that I used to be like, oh, this person thinks they're hot shit because they started their bit. And now I'm like, good for you. That's awesome. And I'm proud of you. And let me know if I can help. Hell but yeah. I'm, I'm back to whatever I'm doing. So like really when I heard this quote that I think is really good, critics and cynics are just frustrated dreamers. Totally. And it's really like, I, I was that person. Like you could look at my life and times in my life when I was more, a little bit chippy. I don't want to yeah. say an asshole because I'm like, a, I'm a pretty nice person, but like I could be a little, you know, a little chippy. That's just me being frustrated about the things that are, that I'm not totally. pursuing in my life. And then totally. the excuses that I have wrapped up around that. Anyone who's in a state totally. of creation is in a state of love and then only just has love to share with other people. Yeah. Not like, I love everybody. It's just like, no. yeah, good for you. Like, do your thing. It's awesome. Like, cool. I'm going to do my thing. As long as you're not hurting anyone, I don't really have any problems with what other people do. So to kind of bring this like full circle is I still hear a lot of that language. And then there still seems to be like a big disconnect. And I don't know if maybe like uh, my birthday is July 3rd. I'm a cancer. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm more in touch with my emotions or something, but I like it. I, um, I still see this disconnect uh, big time with men being very, very on the logic side. And I get it's like, you know, like, let's just get this done. Let's leave our emotion out of it. Like, we got to just get a solution to it. And in, and in some environments, that's what you need, right? You Absolutely. need the yang of masculine and feminine. You know that better, million times better than me. <laughs> but like, you need that yin and yang. It's not like everything is like always this perfect balance. I think it's about an ebb and flow back and forth. And so sometimes this shows up a lot in leadership, sometimes in leadership, actually same in relationships, but in leadership, for example, as a leader, you actually don't need to always have advice for somebody. They just need to vent. And then you can go into a team meeting and it's better if you actually sit back a little bit and empower everybody else to be really creative. But then there's other times where you're maybe under a little bit of pressure some yeah. crazy thing just happened. And as a leader, you need to go in, you need to get stuff done. And we have to do it this way because I'm the leader and I'm pulling this lever this time. Right? Uh-huh. So it's similar in a relationship. Babe, do you want me to listen or do you want my advice? I'm happy to just listen. 99% yeah. of the time, it's just listen. Regardless, it should always just be listen first and not suggest. Because people have that that listening face where they're not really listening. They're just waiting to suggest like the thing that you should do, you know? So I love it. That's great. This is fun. Um, you know, what's interesting. It's like what you talked about around men and their logic and women and their emotions. It's, it's the fundamental, uh, disconnect that exists. And I think the disconnect that exists, the reason men get so frustrated is because they don't feel validated in their logic. Oh yeah. Interesting. I think that's what's happening. And women, 
right? And women yeah. don't feel validated in their emotions because we're yeah. trying to get the other person to be like us, but they don't actually have to be. Like, I actually think it's great that, you know, everyone's born on a spectrum, but like the super masculine guys that don't have as much, um, you know, desire even to access their emotions, like it's okay. Um, right if they're really logical and really pragmatic and they kick acid what they do to be able to validate them for what they do and make sure that they understand that business is emotional and emotions are actually the things that dictate the direction that we go. So even right. though they've got the process on lock, the direction is dictated by emotions and that's where women are so incredibly powerful. And like, we're like yeah. oracles. We like, know, we yeah. sense, we feel we're like, yeah. Every, every sales uh, organization I've been a part of there more and more uh, was, it was women and they were always the top performers. And then anytime I worked with any of them, uh, I usually had women managers. They were so much better. Sorry, I hope I hope I don't like offend guys out there. I've had a couple of great managers who were men earlier on in my career, but uh, I've also had uh, women who were managers who were not that effective. Yeah. So it's not like all, but yeah. Um, but in their sales conversations, especially when I was doing like enterprise sales before I started Evolve, um, just their their innate ability to just connect and really get the client and ask mm -hmm. really thoughtful questions because they weren't so scripted. Mm -hmm. they, the best sales questions are the are the ones that are the ones that are out of genuine curiosity of what you just heard. Yeah, totally. I Not like it. like oh yeah, that takes you four hours to do. So anyway, what's your budget for this? It's like wait, <laughs> like stay there for a second and talk about it. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about that. What what is it about this that takes so long? Like what are some of the obstacles in the way? That must be really frustrating. Yeah, you have four hours on that. Like so the like I noticed that the women tend to have this natural inclination towards that. They're so good at sales, at least in, in my experience where I was well, working. Love them or hate them. I love them. Just putting it out there. Jordan B. Peterson, like, will always talk about, um, you know, men like things more than they like people generally, and women like people more than they like things. Oh, wow. I didn't um, know that. I do like Jordan Peterson, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's just really true. Like, it's so great. Women in STEM, please, women be in STEM. All the women that want to be in STEM, that's great. But generally speaking, especially anecdotally, you'll find more men that are interested in being engineers. You, you, you just will. Um, they're more interested in the way things work. Um, yeah. And so that's why women are so good at like getting to know people in client meetings because they care about the people um, yeah. and not just what they're doing. Yeah. I, I work with, and um, yeah, I work with HR and sell into HR quite a bit. And I mean, I can't, I mean, when I'm pulling leads lists or networking on LinkedIn, I could go a whole day without having a, a male contact in the HR department. <laughs> it's like they're, yeah, they man. bring the human element and keep the whole freaking company together. Um, you I know, with the, with the culture and like, and HR is having even more of a presence in, in, uh, in the business world, which is great. Um, but anyway, without going down a whole tangent, that's I love a, it. No, yeah. that's so that's so great. And then I just think it translates directly into personal relationships um, around the emotional side of things and then the pragmatic side of things. It's like I just heard something recently where it was like men get so oh, this is this is the thing that happens all the time. I always I think I've heard this story maybe 25 times in my life. So it's just a constant. I'll have yeah. women say to me, I had a dream last night that my husband cheated on me. And they'll always say that I had a dream that he cheated on me and they'll wake up and they'll tell their husband. And the way that the husband responds is really reflective of how evolved to use your word, how evolved he is really. And so you have like two versions of a response, the pragmatic response, the like machista old school, traditional masculine response. That's un that's not clued into the emotions of women and and why they matter. He'll say something like, well, that didn't happen. So like, yeah, move okay, on. It's a dream, move on. Yeah. Like it's a dream, move on. And she's like devastated. Right. And he doesn't understand why. Whereas the evolved guy would be like, baby, God, you love me yeah. so much. Yeah. 
like, oh, come here. Like, you love me yeah, so yeah. much. And she suddenly feels so validated because her dream was real to her. And right. the feminine is all about the unconscious space, the nighttime. So what happens there matters. And it's it's always trying to tell you something about how you feel about somebody. That's always right. what the feminine is doing. And so it's just such a fun difference between men and women. It really is. Um what are your thoughts on uh, I'm going to I'm going to flip the script here Let's for a question. <laughs> In terms of what the work that I'm doing and if I'm trying to help people become more emotionally intelligent. Yeah. And you you mentioned um you mentioned a minute ago that men like uh, you know that obviously everyone's on a little bit of a of a yep. spectrum but men who tend to just genuinely really like not I don't want to say not in touch with their emotions or maybe they genuinely don't feel as much I don't know again like that's I, I don't want to overstep my psychology boundary but like do you feel like I guess just what are your thoughts on with with EQ in the workplace and men who are really on the on the end of like mm. I don't feel much I am very you know pragmatic yeah. logical thinking like how, like any thoughts on how to get through to them or how to help them connect yes Yes. Oh my God. I love this. This is literally what I want to work on. Um, you connect to the hero in them. That's what you do. Oh. These men are, they're born to serve. They're born to create containers. They're born to like make shit happen. This is like who they are in their, in their souls. And that's why I feel so like the world is just telling these men that they're shit and yeah. instead of helping them, that is doing the opposite. Um, and also we need these men. These are also the types of men that are like waking up at 4 a.m. to, you know, do their crane operating job or like the garbage truck job. All these guys that are just like all about let's let's just do what it, what's got to be done for the mm -hmm. world. I I really respect and honor those guys. And yeah, a lot of them are less emotional than than many others. And that's OK. And so I would always lead with what they're great at always it okay. is like a just a foundational pillar of like how to appeal to a masculine guy um and just because he feels so excited and he's like a hero you're it's like you're talking to braveheart or something yeah and he's he's so excited and then and then you can explain to him things and you can ask him hey do you have time uh to talk about something that's really important to me and suddenly you've channeled this guy's hero and then you've channeled his protector. You've channeled all these masculine archetypes that exist in him and you're inviting the opportunity for something new to enter his mind as opposed to you suck, this is stupid, here's why you should do it the way I say, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't right. work. Right. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, and that's kind of similar to the approach that I take is I don't, I don't touch on so much with with men like that um, about so much about um, your emotions and what you're feeling and paying attention yep. to that. And I focus a little bit more on. And again, this is just how it occurs to me. It's not like I this is it. the only way to do it. Yes. But I focus a little bit more on the calm, non-judgmental energy. That's just a little bit more patient. Like you could still, and it's like, dude, you could still be this. You're you're not emotional, and emotional intelligence doesn't mean being emotional. Yeah. But so I kind of I had to try to help them understand that it's like we're not here to gather around the campfire mm. and like do the kumbaya stuff. I'm all for mm. it. Like, don't get me wrong, but like a lot of people yeah. are like this isn't for me. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Well, if if your employee looks up to you and the hero story there, and and all they really want from you is a little bit of approval or acceptance in their eye or in your eyes, and you could just be a little bit calm and patient with them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you can't still be serious. It doesn't mean you can't still be um, very intentional and hold people yeah. accountable. Yeah. But you can do it in a way that's like, hey, we're both supporting one another. We have mutual respect for one another. We're both yeah. going to get this shit done because we work together. But yes. I'm doing it from a place of love and, and yes. support and maybe even loves too much. So I'm doing this from a place of support. I want to see you successful. Yes. Together, we're going to be successful. And so what's on your mind? What are some of the obstacles that might be in your way from getting this thing done? And it's like, not the, well, why did you miss the deadline? You know, the, the, the slight shift in how you're delivering that message, you could still be the strong badass. Totally. You don't need to talk all about your emotions and you could still have an emotionally intelligent conversation because you're leading with a little bit of empathy and understanding. 
You, we don't even have to use the word compassion if it's too triggering for you. You're just trying to get <laughs> where this person's coming from. Yes. Before I yell at you, everything all right? No, actually, yes. I just, you know, um, yes. I found out a family member to go to the hospital. All right, well, I'm really sorry to hear that. Take the time that you need, right? Yes. Versus barking the orders at the person who's going through a terrible, yes. who's going through a bad day. That yes. difference, you could still be the, the macho man. And like, I have a lot totally. of friends and former colleagues who are very much on that end. And we get along extremely well because my sort of logic and slightly more intense side of me shows up with them, but we see each other. We don't judge each other. We listen to each other. We get in great deep conversations and none of it is the soft stuff that they would probably categorize with <laughs> the topic, when, you know, the EQ stuff. I That's so beautiful. You know, actually I uh, was doing like a business trip a couple of weeks ago and I uh, met one of the the guys that I work with who's who's more like that, right? And over time, over the conversation, he was just like softening and opening because he felt like he was being seen for the first time in a while. And then I was able to just be myself and be like quite in touch with my emotions. And I feel this and I feel that. And he was able to hold that space. And I don't think he even knew that he had the capacity to hold that space until he felt comfortable and appreciated and seen first yeah that's that's a big that's a really great observation and i think you're right i think like it's like a good reminder for us to lead with it Mm. it's like take you know like if we can lead and it takes some practice and for some people it's for some people you talk to you could do it much easier than other people it could just be a little bit tough and there's some work to do there but if you can lead with being the person who's non-judgmental and making that other person feel seen and heard and understood regardless Mm. of how they're acting or behaving you lead with it, be mm. the change you want to see, right? You you take that ownership. You almost like you invite others to then let their guard down or their invisible barrier down. So you your presence of being very <laughs> present and non-judgmental may allowed him, it gave him the permission, so to speak, so for him to do that in return. Yeah. Thing. And I and and then Props we just you. thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And to be honest, I'm I'm only, I've only been able to do that because other people have done it for me. So like, I remember a couple of years ago when I was first starting to like, my barriers were shifting and like moving and I was starting to see the light. I started to meet all of these men that like were really present with me. They really looked at me. They, they asked me deep, thoughtful questions about what I believed about things. Um, I was like, whoa, this is a thing because in my childhood, I didn't experience that. Um, Right. So I was always really shy around men. I didn't feel like they cared about my inner self. Um, yeah. and, and then so that was a big aha. And then I was like, oh, my God, men are amazing at this as well. And it's so sexy when men are just like present and available uh, to 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 see a person. Like, I think a man's attention is something that we're all craving. And I mean, I would say anyone's attention, but I, I totally get that. And you've come a long way. So props to you, seriously, because to, to hear you say that you were shy around men is not something that I would <laughs> think now. Obviously, I know that everyone's got their stuff from their past, so yes. I get it. But like, you know, it doesn't seem to be the case. I don't pick up that vibe at all. Um, but it, but it, it's a two, you know, it's a two way street. So it's like you, the way you're showing up and the way you're communicating and the energy that you're giving off is present, is real, it's non-judgmental. And then that makes other people feel like, oh, we're on a safe playing field here. We can have a nice chat about anything versus like, is there, are there games being played? If I say the wrong thing, am I going to get judged? Yes. If like this joke isn't funny or if I don't come off totally alpha, then I'm going to get pegged <laughs> in some beta male and all these stupid things. It's like. I love know. it. Alex, this is awesome. You are such a light. You're such a bright light. I'm just oh, so you. stoked for your story. I love the way that you help people. Like throughout this episode, you've just kind of like, what you've done is you've identified some really simple actions and some really simple ideas um, and mechanisms for people that are not easy, but they're really simple. So this idea of empathetic listening and just how it's changed so many workplaces that you've gone into. um, Just, I love your perspective. I love what you're doing in this world. I'm super stoked to 
uh, have learned from you this hour. It's awesome. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. It's uh, been fantastic being here and like right back at you. This is an awesome conversation. And uh, I wish we had more time so I could learn more from you about the masculine and feminine energies and relationships and stuff. So maybe again in the future. But um, yeah, this was great. So thank you so much for having me. Well, uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, just shout out yourself so that if people love what they heard, they want to find you online so they can get in touch with you. Yeah, that would be fantastic. So all social channels, um, Instagram especially, is evolve underscore leadership. Um, and really on any social channel, LinkedIn or or anywhere else, it's um, it's either Alex Resnick uh, or Evolve Leadership. Um, let's see, website is evolveleadership.co. Um, but yeah, anyone listening, feel free to shoot me an email if you want to chat more. Um, and you can reference this podcast. My email is alex at evolveleadership.co. Um, but yeah, that's that's my plug. I'm easy to find on uh, on social media across all channels there. I love it. Well, you guys, Alex's social is really fun to follow on Instagram. And of course, if you want to have him come into your workplace and uh, do some EQ training, that would be awesome. Awesome. All right. So another episode gone by. Uh, Until next time, this is the Venus Mars podcast.